Welcome to episode 205 of the Cyber Law Podcast brought to you by Steptoe and Johnson. Thank you for joining us. We're lawyers talking about technology, security, privacy, and government. Uh, and today we've got a great uh, uh, team for the News Roundup, which is all we're doing to, this week. Uh, uh, Brian Egan, uh, a partner in, in Steptoe's international practice and former legal advisor to both the State Department and the National Security Council. Maury Schenk uh, from London, a European technology uh, um, a watcher and uh, uh, part of our cybersecurity practice. Jim Lewis, who's the Senior Vice President at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. And I'm Stuart Baker, holding the record for saying the same damn thing every week. Uh, so I won't. I, I am back at last uh, from uh, a, a, a long trip to the uh, North American West, where I uh, introduced grandchildren to the joys of cross-country skiing, um, uh, to their mother's chagrin. Apparently, it turns out I didn't know this. Uh, going cross-country skiing with dad was one of the most traumatic events of her childhood, and she was hoping that uh, her children would hate it as much as she did, but that did not happen, so score one for the grandfather. Uh, all right, let's get started. Um, uh, tomorrow, by the time you hear this, probably, unless you're really quick uh, listening to your podcast, there will be an argument uh, in the Microsoft Ireland case. Uh, uh, Brian, Maury, what should people be listening for? Well, I, I, I think there's a, there's a lot to be read in this case already, and I'm going to turn to Maury in just a moment. But I think one thing that I would listen for is questions that suggest that the justices are thinking about the, uh, the foreign relations doctrine of comedy, which Stuart mm-hmm. is not C-O-M-E-D-Y, <laughs> although you may think it is. Uh, it's, it the, is pretty funny, yes. <laughs> the principle that it, the U.S. will consider the application of its laws, uh, as when they conflict with other countries' laws, uh, in deciding exactly how to construe those laws. And so there's been a lot written about, uh, the potential application of this doctrine in this case. Many people seem to agree that it just can't be under U.S. law, putting aside the Stored Communications Act for a moment, it can't be the case that there's no way for the government to reach data overseas. Uh, the question is, one, does this law allow them to do so? And two, if, it, if this does not, is there some other mechanism for them to do so? Uh, Maury? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, two thoughts on this. One on the comedy point is, you know, a, people are worried that if we do this, a lot of other countries might start reaching for overseas data. And I've been looking at this issue in a lot of countries, and most countries currently take the point of view that you you can only go for domestically stored data, otherwise you go through the MLAT process. And I've talked with a lot of people over the years about MLAT improvement. If the U.S. starts reaching abroad directly, it could go against that, um, you know, that process of working through international cooperation and improving that. So I agree with Brian that, you know, comedy and, and going with the international process is important. The other thought I had is that, you know, under this, if it's resolved on the Stored Communications Act issue, uh, issue either you, if you view it as a privacy issue, probably the left-wing justices vote for Microsoft. And if you view it as a strict construction uh, issue. Some of the right-wing justices will go for Microsoft. The only way I think it could go the other way is if you take an expansive view of the powers of law enforcement. 
for example, under Oren Kerr's theory that the All Writs Act could have justified this warrant rather than the Sword Communications Act. So I think the here's my guess: the Supreme Court uh, um, doesn't. Uh, focus much on precedent and sometimes not even on the language of the statute. In this case, that wouldn't help them anyway. But they will ask themselves, let's think of all the hypotheticals uh, that are possible if we rule one way or the other. And I think the hypothetical that tells us that Microsoft is losing this case is if the court starts to focus on the question of whether this allows companies to decide whether or not they're going to comply with or assist government uh, uh, in investigations of purely domestic crimes based on where they choose to put the data. Uh, and in particular, my memory is that Google has said, look, we don't know where it is, but uh, it ain't here, uh, so go away. Uh, and I, I think that's so implausible a response, even for the pretty far left justices to say, yeah, that's that uh, Microsoft could just decide not to do this or Google could decide they're not going to cooperate because they're going to store the data in places where it can't be found uh, and where they don't know where it is, but they're pretty sure it's overseas. I think they'll find that uh, an unacceptable outcome and not one they want to empower. So if they start to focus on that, I think Microsoft loses. Uh, that's that's my mm-hmm. guess. No, I, I think that that's a real concern. Could they, Go ahead, Mari. Sorry. I mean, couldn't they distinguish that on the facts? I understand the, the individual involved here or individuals are based outside the United States. Um, you know, if, if it were an individual in the United States, you'd have an additional U.S. nexus. And I think it could, that could be a basis for distinguishing the case that you're worried about, Stuart. Yeah, but I, I, if I, if I were the SG, I'd start saying, well, okay, suppose it's, uh, one person outside the United States and other people inside the United States, uh, I, is the statute going to be read differently? Are you going to have to come back and resolve 14 other fact patterns just to resolve the meaning of this statute? You've got better things to do, uh, uh Mr. and Mrs. Supreme Court Justice. But that's where the international principle of comedy comes into play, that they can point to comedy and talk about the importance of the target, the location of the target, the importance of the data. Is there another mechanism that's realistically available uh, to get the data? Those things could come into play yeah. if the justices read that principle into this discussion. And, of course, uh, the, the looming presence of the Cloud Act uh, – Oh, it will it will cast a cloud over the uh, uh, entire discussion. Uh, I'm not sure which way it cuts, uh, but it probably allows the justices to say, well, whichever way we we'll just vote our our feeling about this, and Congress will straighten out if they think we got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's, you do have an interesting brief filed by the proponents of the Cloud, cloud Act in Congress, saying this is for us. You know, we, we'll figure this out. This is not for the courts to decide. This is for Congress to decide. I think if the court actually had confidence that Congress would fix this, that may actually influence yeah. them. But I, they, they've got it. They've heard the argument. They're going to decide it. Uh, so I, I'm not sure that's a completely persuasive. Uh, uh, so th- that was not the big news of the week. The big news of the week was probably that the uh, uh, Adam Schiff and the Democrats finally got their memo out about the uh, uh, electoral uh, interference and, uh, in particular, the uh, FISA warrant against uh, um, uh, Carter Page. Um, it, my sense on this, is, at the end of the day, is it's fair to say 
neither Nunes nor Schiff is lying, uh, and neither got caught in a lie. They got caught uh, leaving misleading impressions, probably both of them, uh, and uh, um, and so you have to read them together. But you know, when, when you do, I don't think any of this reflects badly on. Um, the Mueller investigation, there's no original sin here that somehow uh, the, the investigation shouldn't have begun. Uh, and, you know, while I, I recognize there are people who uh, are careful who still think there was FBI, DOJ misconduct here, uh, reading the actual footnote, um, there are, it's clearly, you know, there's a footnote that discloses sort of in a kind of constipated way that uh, uh, this was a politically motivated research project. Uh, um, a, but the the constipation looks to me like a product of the way FISA applications usually get drafted, which is they mask Maybe they, maybe they shouldn't, but they mask U.S. identities even when talking to the FISA court. Uh, um, and in this case, they seem to have decided they didn't know for sure who was paying for this, uh, uh, for, for Steele's research. And therefore, they have a sentence in there in which they say, uh, we speculate that this was opposition research or this was research uh, designed to uh, hurt uh, uh, the Trump campaign, uh, which is uh, not exactly a forthright acknowledgement that uh, uh, this was uh, Hillary Clinton's funding, but I'm not even sure they knew that, I, I, to tell the truth, uh, uh, although some people are pretty convinced of this. Uh, the, I, I, I do think it reflects, there, there's one sentence in here that I just, I find complete BS. Uh, there's a, the, the statement just before the speculation is the identified U.S. person, uh, it, uh, which is, uh, um, is uh, Simpson mm-hmm. uh, from Fusion GPS, never advised Steele or source number one as to the motivation behind the research into into candidate one. That's Trump. Uh, Trump's ties to Russia. So. Uh, it says Simpson never told Steele the motivation behind the research into Trump's ties to Russia. Oh, give me a damn break, right? I, uh, how how the Justice Department could have put that forward, and how they could have let um, Steele get away with saying that? First, I don't believe it. I, I and second, even if it were true that they didn't technically yeah. say this was paid for by Hillary Clinton who the hell else is going to pay for it <laughs> Jill Stein right you know I, I it, it was I it, it's just a sad statement and it it, um, it certainly suggests at a minimum that uh, Steele and Simpson were um, hijacking our national security investigative process for purposes of doing harm to the Trump campaign. Uh, and that's pretty disturbing. But, uh, that's, that's my quick take on, uh, uh, all of the, uh, the various memos. Uh, uh, I don't know, Brian, if you have other thoughts on this one. Um, I, 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 I think this is really, um, 
I agree with much of what you said in the first half of your uh, comments, Stuart. And I, th- I think that this is really proving to be uh, a bit of what a lot of people call inside Washington baseball. Oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, it's really hard, I would imagine, even for those of us who read this stuff, to follow the back and forth. I can only imagine what this looks like to somebody who's trying to follow this, uh, who doesn't uh, breathe, live and breathe this stuff for a living. I, I agree with you that there's no real suggestion here of um, impropriety by the executive branch. Uh, not, say what you will about the FISA application process and what – uh, what those applications may look like. It certainly sounds like this was um, a pretty. Uh, it, it was, it was written in the same way that right. a normal FISA application would be written. Uh, so that I'll I'll leave it there. Yeah. I I well I I continue to think that we should be looking really hard, and I kind of hope that uh, uh, Bob Mueller is looking hard at uh, uh, the actions of Steele and Simpson. And uh, the people who paid sure. him, and the people who paid them to pay him, uh, which I, you know, if he does, will uh, put both campaigns on the hot seat and reduce all of this Washington mess to a singularity, <laughs> I, I, you know, the scandularity, uh, uh, I, which could go on for as long as um, uh, Trump and Clinton are in public life. Uh, uh, all right. So I thought I would spend just a minute um, for many of our listeners, uh, some of whom are, I'm confident, uh, and Jim, I'm thinking in particular of you, uh, uh, likely to be um, of interest to foreign state actors. Google has uh, launched something called Advanced Protection, which it is pitching to people who think that they might be the targets of foreign government uh, cyber espionage. Um, and it's basically an improved form of two-factor authentication because we know that the current two-factor authentication systems don't work very well if you rely on SMS messages to your phone or calls to your phone. It's pretty easy for people who are determined to get you to find a way to uh, hijack those particular uh, uh, messages. So uh, Google is saying to people, you should get these uh, pieces of hardware, little tiny uh, keys that you can stick in a USB co- uh, 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 slot or uh, Bluetooth uh, tokens. Um, if you get them, we will show you how to hook them up to all of your Google accounts so that nobody can get into a Google account unless they have been authenticated, authenticated not just with your password, password but also with your uh, um, piece of hardware. Um, and I, it, I, I went to a lunch with them a, about a week and a half ago, and uh, it was pretty interesting. And I finally sat down and actually implemented this for myself uh, I, and uh, uh, thought I'd give people who are thinking about doing this uh, a, uh, a quick user review. Uh, uh, one, unless Google gives you the, uh, the hardware, it's probably going to cost you. 50 to 60 bucks to, uh, to buy these things. That's not the end of the world, uh, uh, unless you're a real cheapskate, which, of course, I am. Uh, but I did do it. Uh, do it. Uh, um, other complications here, The probably the biggest is this only works if you're accessing stuff using Chrome, Google's yeah. browser. Uh, they're 
confident that sooner or later, maybe in a matter of weeks, uh, a Firefox and then uh, uh, probably uh, Edge will uh, adopt this uh, because it is a, stand- a relatively standard two-factor authentication tool. Uh, but right now, it means you're sort of locked into um, using Chrome, which is not currently, in my view, the best b- b- browser. I think Firefox is better uh, to access your Google properties, which turns out to be all your Google Docs, <laughs> etc. Um, so that's problem one. Uh, and you know, mm-hmm. I might, if you're not sure you're a target, I might wait until uh, Firefox and others have uh, adopted this. Second, it kicks out. All the apps that you have adopted, uh, that you, you've installed, that rely on access to Google Docs, Google Drive, Google Mail, Google Contacts, uh, um, and you'd be surprised how many of them persuaded you in the that first romantic flush of uh, installing the app uh, to, to give uh, access. I'm not sure that's a, a bug. It's kind of a feature. It, it kicks all of those guys out until they meet some security standards, I think, that Google's going to announce. Uh, and that's probably a good idea, but it happened to me on one app. Uh, you know, I have uh, uh, a fitness app that I back up. To Google Drive? Oh, well, see. not anymore. Right. I, so, okay, you got to go to Dropbox. Uh, so it's not the end of the world, but it's uh, it means it's a little more complicated uh, uh, to continue living your life. Uh, and then the last thing, the thing that really bugged me, was the Bluetooth uh, hardware they give you is produced by a company called Feitian, F-E-I-T-I-A-N, which when you Google it turns out to be a cybersecurity company, a Chinese cybersecurity company. I, you know, I, when I hear Chinese cybersecurity company, I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, handmaiden of Chinese cyber espionage, because that has certainly been the case in other uh, circumstances, including the Kaspersky case and uh, a variety of other uh, uh, cases. So I, I, I pointed out that this looked like it was a Chinese piece of Chinese hardware. And the response of the Google folks was, well, you, you can't get uh, hardware if you're <laughs> not going to take it from China. Uh, but I, I, I frankly think it, uh, Google ought to take a close look at Feitian and, and what their business model really is and what their ties to the government are before they uh, encourage people to use that. So that's my uh, user review. Uh, you don't get them often here, so uh, uh, treasure them. Uh, uh, Jim, you gonna have you uh, gone to Advanced Protection? Uh, no, <laughs> no. They gave me a box with. You get a box, and I don't like Bluetooth and uh, all the problems. Chrome isn't the only browser I use. I have other apps, so it's a nice try on their part. You know, I wondered how RSA felt about it, but you know, it's um, it's probably not going to fix the problem for most people. Yeah, I, I think. It, look, if you if you care a lot about cybersecurity, you probably will put up with the. The hassle of of using Chrome, uh, which is still a pretty good browser, uh, and and some of these other issues, uh, uh, but uh, uh, not everybody's going to do it, is my guess. Uh, uh, and it's a, it's a beta product, um, though you know which Google is famous for. Uh, it'll be good uh, in six months. All right. Um, uh, 
Other issues that we ought to cover from today's uh, uh, news, uh, the Attorney General has created a cyber task force to look at everything related to cyber uh, and uh, that bothers the Justice Department, which is cyber intrusions, uh, um, a, a subversion of American political discourse, and, of course, uh, encryption. I uh, Sort of hard to know where that will go, but it's uh, and there's been some snarking. It seems to me as though it's uh, uh, still a pretty good idea to have somebody take a close look at that from a um, whole of Justice Department point of view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it, it can't hurt. Is my view. Um, you know, even right. if it's just the Justice Department and the FBI, uh, it, it 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 cannot detract. These are problems that we need to address. Uh, it's it's good that we're taking them on as, aside from not taking the ostrich approach. So yeah. So and and it's probably the sort of thing that there are different um, views within the Justice Department, and the FBI, about how to handle this. So you got to do it at a task force that reports to the AG. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, um, Maury, you have uh, a, just a, yeah. uh, Stuart. Before yeah. you leave that one, everyone and their dog is uh, setting up some kind of. Uh, task force or hunter killer group or something to protect the 2018 elections. Um, my bet, and I'd be interested to hear what other people have to say, my bet is that none of these will work. Uh, the second part is the encryption debate, which I thought was really interesting. There's indicators that DOJ would like to return to the fray, reopen the issue. I wonder what people think on that. I don't think the politics have changed yet, so you aren't going to get a different outcome, but um, you know, it is a good step. It's good that they're doing it. But at the end of the day, it, it may not protect elections and it might be a little early to change encryption policy. Uh, I agree with you that it's still early to change encryption policy, uh, um, and Diane Feinstein may not be around to carry uh, just, uh, Justice Department water in uh, on this issue uh, as she has in the past. Uh, uh, so uh, they actually may be losing a, uh, a, a, an ally uh, if uh, the results of the California uh, uh, party meeting uh, uh, stand. Um, so uh, as for protecting the election, well, I, for sure there are going to be bots coming, right? Uh, we, we've seen the Russians are producing divisive bot commentary within an hour of the school shooting. Uh, and uh, so they're clearly of the view that they should keep this up. Uh, um, and uh, uh, we won't stop that. I, I think we can probably prevent them from doing any serious harm to uh, uh, the actual vote counts and maybe to the voter registration process uh, uh, or voter confirmation process. Uh, uh, so I'm I'm I, I'm glad we're doing all the stuff we're doing on elections. I think it's an important thing to do, and I actually expect it to uh, turn out pretty well. Okay, maybe I'm giving the Russians too much credit. Yeah, I think th- I I well you know look uh, the stuff that they're doing with Twitter bots is just a, a sideline for this guy who uh, has all these food contracts, food service contracts uh, with the Kremlin who got into the business when people started saying, yeah, your foods, your school lunches suck. Uh, and, and he had to hire a bunch of, uh, 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 uh 
Twitter users and bots to shout down the people who were saying his school lunches sucked. Uh, I, I, I can't help resisting. I can't, can't help saying that, you know, Michelle Obama uh, would have been delighted to use the same uh, uh, tool since she got the same kind of criticism over her school lunch policies. Uh, all right. Um, last thing that we ought to talk about uh, is um, – I think first I, I, I ought to give uh, Maury a chance to tell us uh, he's been looking at quantum computing and what it means for public key encryption and for uh, distributed ledgers. Uh, um, and, and Maury, are you going to be producing a report or uh, it's something that people can download? Yeah, it's already available. I mean, you, you can Google distributed futures and then look in publications and it's the first report on the list because it just came out this week. The broad problem without talking about distributed ledgers is if there are large-scale quantum computers, and that's a big if, um, you know, we have 50 qubit quantum computers and you would need millions of qubits to cause the problem. But if there are large-scale quantum computers, there is math called Shor's algorithm that would break uh, most of the current public, widely used public key encryption, including RSA and uh, elliptical curve cryptography. So people think that the te- uh, the hardware to do that's at least 15, 20 years away, or maybe 10 if you're really optimistic. But there's a lot of data out there that's going to want to be protected into the future more than that. So now's the time that people are starting to take a look to- at this. NSA has already decided to start moving its crypto onto quantum-resistant uh, crypto. So it's an interesting issue, and if you want to learn more, you can take a look at my report. Okay, sounds good. Uh, uh, speaking of crypto and keys, uh, Apple is now storing uh, the, or as of March 1, uh, Apple is going to store the keys for all of its Chinese users' phones uh, that access the cloud. If you want to get into the stuff they've stored in the cloud, the key for that will be in China, available to the Chinese authorities, not available to U.S. authorities. Uh, um, this is not a surprise to listeners of this uh, uh, podcast, but uh, it's finally getting a kind of grudging, oh, I guess we ought to cover this kind of coverage from uh, uh, the tech press and, and maybe a little from the mainstream press. Uh, um, but I, I continue to be surprised how everybody wants to say, oh, well, you know, it's just like what the U.S. does, so what's the problem? I, you know, as if the... Uh, uh, the likelihood of being oppressed by the United States government was equal to the likelihood of being oppressed by the Chinese government. Um, uh, you know, I, I have to say to, to my friends who, who read Drudge, uh, uh, I, you are smoking something if you think that's the case. And the same for the people who read uh, the, you know, Josh Mar- Marshall's uh, uh, Talking Points memo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the insistence on being the victim of an oppressive government uh, and of uh, treating uh, all governments as though they were really more or less morally equivalent is, uh, uh, to my mind, incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's, it's the virus of the age. Well, it's, and- well and I know the, the, best way to, the best way to respond to the Chinese is to uh, think about uh, tariff action on steel, because steel was the crucial industry of the 19th century. And so we should start and do this in like chronological order. You know, in a, in a hundred years or so, we can work, we can work our way up. Ah, oh, come on. I mean, the, the U.S. has left this administration and its predecessors has left Apple hanging out to dry. 
Apple's not going to take on the Chinese government, and if they did, they would just get, as you've pointed out many times, Stuart, they would just get the HEVO. Um, this is something that uh, the USG needs to pick up and push back on. And maybe they'll get around to it. They, we keep hearing noises. Uh, we all have heard noises that they're going to do something. But the, 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 I think the next action might be cows. So this is beginning to look like a, a John Wayne Western as a trade policy. I, it's not cows. First, I think it, is, after you've done steel, you would do automobiles and railroads, don't you think? Great. So I'm not sure that steel is going Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure steel is going to get the Chinese to back down on this. This is pretty fundamental to them, and it's not unlike what the U.S. government has asked telco serving the U.S. to do for a very long time. So it's just basically, I mean, it, it comes down to your point, Stuart, about what you think about um, you know, the moral equivalence of systems. And if we don't like the Chinese system, um, yeah, we have to, we have to ask them to change their system, but I'm not sure they're going to listen. Yeah. Okay. A last, last point that I just cannot resist uh, pointing out is that, uh, Keeper, the company Keeper, uh, is continuing to pursue a, a, a Astonishing! I say this as a lawyer, an astonishingly uh, uh, misguided and outrageous lawsuit against Ars Technica, claiming that Ars Technica libeled them when they published something that was as as true as anything that is ever published in the press was, uh, uh, saying basically, yeah, you're right, uh, you had a serious uh, security hole in the product that was supposed to be protecting everybody's passwords, which is, you know, the worst thing you could be doing. And it, it turns out it was very similar to what hole that they'd had and w- were forced to patch 16 months earlier. And their response was to patch it in 24 hours to say we've, we've patched it and now we want everybody to just shut the hell up, uh, and we'll sue, uh, Ars Technica, but interestingly, not Google, uh, which pointed out the flaw. Uh, and, uh, they continued this lawsuit. The, the complaint has been filed. Uh, the, the, res- uh, the reply has been filed. It's, very persuasive. There is a California anti-slap uh, uh, motion that goes with it. Uh, not sure whether that will work uh, uh, since they're not in California courts. Uh, uh, but uh, really, uh, if you are using Keeper to protect your passwords, stop. <laughs> uh, this this is not an indication of a company that uh, values security. Uh, uh, they are valuing marketing over security. All right. Uh, thanks to Brian Egan. Thanks to Maury Shank. Thanks to Jim Lewis. This has been episode 205 of the Cyber Law Podcast brought to you by Steptoe and Johnson. Uh, in the best news possible for uh, uh, law students uh, and uh, uh, fans of the podcast who live near Washington, we are thinking about uh, hiring an intern uh, to basically organize and run maybe a day a week, that's my guess, maybe two, uh, uh, all of the mechanics of making the podcast work. Uh, um, and so if you're interested in that, the thing to do is to watch the Steptoe.com website uh, under careers uh, uh, and uh, uh, in the employment to, uh, section, if, if we decide to do this, and I'm pretty sure we will, uh, we'll post something uh, and, uh, uh, and we'll start taking applications. But I want uh, people to start thinking about whether they or their friends are interested because 
we'd love to hire a, uh, a fan. Uh, coming up uh, in interviews, we're going to have uh, a uh, an interview next week uh, on uh, artificial intelligence and the evils to which it can be put. Uh, uh, at last, a, a, an AI topic uh, that appeals to my uh, <laughs> sense of uh, uh, doom. Uh, and uh, we're also going to be talking uh, 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 the week after that with Nathan Stales, who's the ambassador at large for counterterrorism, uh, to Pete Kronos, who's the chief information security officer at Turner Broadcasting, among other guests. So uh, we hope you'll join us for those and other episodes as we once again provide insights into the latest events in technology, security, privacy, and government.